Mother God, Creator God, Creative God. You made the rain this morning and you saw that it was good. You see the potential in each raindrop. You turn the rain and the soil into forests and jungles. Will you reveal that abundance, that potential inside of us as well? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're talking about the uh, parable of the lost coin, which is one of the more popular um, parables. So just to rephrase it really, uh, or, or go through it really quickly. Um, so God is a woman, and uh, she's home alone. And she realizes, I lost one of my 10 coins. Um, and just for clarity, that is generally assumed to be uh, about 10% of her savings. So it's, a, it's pretty substantial. Um, so she's like, well, I've lost this coin. I have to find it. Um, so she turns on the gas lamp and um, sweeps the apartment. First floor, second floor. I'm assuming God has a two-story house. Um, <laughs> under, you know, under the cushions, in the mattress. Um, and then she finds it. And then she's so excited that she found this coin um, that she decides to probably use some of the value of this coin in order to throw a party. And Jesus says that in the same way that this woman, that God, found this coin and rejoices, so do the angels when a sinner repents. Um, and so generally this parable is used to talk about um, the lost coming to God, or really God coming to the lost. Um, and I think that that's an important point, but I want to um, talk today a little bit about how this story exemplifies what God's economy looks like. Um, so when I first read this parable, I um, had a few kind of like initial reactions. Um, and really, I was just kind of skeptical. Like, um, why did she decide that she needed to look for this coin? It's just a coin. Um, why doesn't she just like go to sleep and go to work the next day? Um, why, um, why doesn't she just kind of give up and say, well, there it goes? Um, so I kind of want to, want to name that response and um, really name the privilege that I have in my life that allows me to think about things in that way. It's, really, it's a privilege that makes me feel like I can tell people what money is worth, um, or that I can um, look at money and say, um, it's just a small amount of money. It's not going to do anything. Um, that I can look at a quarter and not believe that God can work miracles with that quarter. Um, and so uh, I was thinking about you know, kind of how I responded in that way and why I responded in that way. And I realized that there was a time in my life when I wasn't really thinking about things in this sense of like um, of, of money as sort of a scarce commodity. Um, and so that was actually when I was a little kid. <clears throat> so uh, some of you might know that I, um, <clears throat> excuse me, my parents are immigrants. Um, so they immigrated to the United States a few months before I was born. Um, and my dad uh, is a pastor, was a pastor growing up. Um, but uh, at a small storefront church, it was never enough to be a full-time job. Um, so they always worked other jobs, my mom and, and my dad, um, to pay the bills. So we didn't really have a lot of money growing up. Um, and I remember growing up, my mom 
uh, kind of instilled this, this tradition that we had. Um, we would go to Nicaragua about every summer, that's where my family's from, and we would bring back these like humongous ceramic piggy banks. And these were, did anyone else have piggy banks growing up? Yeah? Okay, nice. Um, so these weren't piggy banks, like kind of like the ones that have like stoppers at the bottom and you can like put something in, but then if you need to like take a quarter out, you can just take it. No, 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 no. This was a, a piggy bank that you have to like break with a hammer and when you've broken it, it's done. Uh, so it was always like really exciting, right? Because you, you like put all this effort into like putting the quarters in there and the pennies and like, you know, I like God uh, look under the mattresses and uh, in the cushions and sometimes I'd even like steal them from my parents. Um, so, um, uh, so this was um, a really exciting thing for me uh, because I had so much hope for what this piggy bank would bring. I was so, uh, I was so committed to the, the possibilities that uh, would come once that piggy bank got broken. Um, I knew that I'd be able to use it to buy a video game or to go out and get ice cream with my friends or whatever it was. Um, it was exciting. It was, I had this imagination. I had, uh, I saw this potential for abundance in just a piggy bank. Um, but fast forward to today and I went to a prestigious university. I have a four-year degree. I work in a corporate for-profit setting. I'm like climbing the corporate ladder or climbing the Jesus ladder on the side. Um, um, and, so, um, and so I make, I make uh, more money now. I, I live in um, one of Chicago's um, uh, more, more wealthy neighborhoods. Um, and instead of rejoicing in that abundance that I have, I live in scarcity. I read this parable and I think um, there's not enough. That coin isn't enough. I, I like, am kind of clawing money back at me. And so, um, so, some, uh, so I want to call that the economics of scarcity. And that's really what systems tell us to live in. Um, they tell us that there's a limited amount of money and it can't do very much. Um, they tell us that uh, we, there's a limited amount of money, so we have to hoard it away. We have to put it into our um, 401ks or our uh, savings accounts, which don't let me discourage you from doing that, but um, uh, you know, don't let it don't let it become uh, a thing in and of itself, right? Um, the economics of scarcity also tells us that um, if you don't have money, you might need to just give up and uh, settle for something less. Um, but in this parable, what we see is God's economics of abundance. Um, it's not that it's not just a coin. It's a coin that has so much potential. It's a coin that's worth looking for. It's a coin that is worth rejoicing over um, once you've found. And something about um, about this coin that's kind of strange in the parable um, is that really m people are being compared to money, right? So, uh, and I think that's a little bit unsettling in some ways. Um, but Jesus is saying that. Um, this lost coin represents a lost soul, a lost person. Um, so I kind of I want to name some of the maybe similarities and differences um, between people and money because there are some, and I think it's it's useful to think about in uh, in some of those terms. Um, so.
first of all, money, like, like what is it? It has a value for exchange. It's kind of like a means uh, to an end. So I have $5 and I um, can go out and buy something with it. I can put it in my bank account. But if I like go out into the desert, uh, it doesn't really have any value there other than maybe it might help me start a fire. Um, so there's not really any kind of inherent value in money. But people, we have inherent value. Hannah preached really beautifully about this last week. We have um, not just inherent value, but infinite value. Um, value that comes with being uh, God's creatures. Um, so another kind of similarity uh, between us and money is that um, with money, individual units are interchangeable. So two $5 bills are worth the same amount. One $5 bill and five $1 bills are also worth the same amount. Um, and there's something, there's something similar to that in humanity in that we're, we are all created equal, right? All created in God's image, in her image, she created us. Um, so that's easy to say. It's easy to stand up here and say we're all equal. But then we go out into the world and we know that that's not true. Um, we know that there are powers and principalities that make uh, people of color or gender and sexual minorities or people with different abilities worth less. Um, so I want to I want to kind of stand on this rock that says that we are all um, worthy and that we are all um, inherently and infinitely valuable to God. So. Um, so those are some of the kind of similarities, and I really think that what's important, though, is this main difference between us and money, which is that money is a unit of scarcity. Money is a unit of not enough. Money is a unit of limitation, of I can only do so much. But in this parable, it's clear that God thinks of us not as units with limits, but as units with abundance, units with infinite value, infinite potential. Um, so. So that's kind of the, the reason why God goes out and looks for this coin, right? Because it's not a discrete unit of value. It's not just a coin. It's an infinite, valuable thing. Um, so um, really want to really want everyone to kind of uh, sit in that and know that you are inherently valuable and don't let um, conversations about money kind of uh, weigh you down or make you feel like you ha you are less because you have less because that's not what God is telling us. Um, so going back to this parable and 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 looking at it from this uh, this lens of um, an economics of abundance, um, in the parable, God committed to doing the work of finding this coin. Um, so that's important because. Um, it means that, that there is work that needs to be done in order to seek value, right? It's not just, um, it's not just that uh, this coin needed to be found. It was that God said, I'm going to do the work, the dirty work, the like midnight gas lamp sweeping under the floors work of finding this lost value. Um, another way that there's abundance is this kind of fundamental belief something that we've been talking about, fundamental belief that that coin was worthy. So there was a lot of work involved in doing and in finding that coin because that coin was worthy, because God sees value in that coin. And God 
in, in our lives, that means that we, when we do the work of God's kingdom, it's because there's value in it as well. And then finally, something else that I see that is abundant in this parable is that God isn't using this coin to, to save or to hoard. Um, God is using the coin to celebrate. So she finds the coin, um, and then she says, well, sweet, now I'm going to throw a party. Um, and so, so those, are, um, those are important because I think that those are ways that we can live out abundance in our own lives. So um, this is not just this parable. Abundance is shown over and over and over again uh, in the Bible. Um, and one example that, that sticks out to me is um, the feeding of the multitudes. So you might, um, you might know the story, but essentially Jesus had a friend, John the Baptist, uh, who died. And uh, Jesus was really upset, so he went um, off into a secluded area to kind of mourn. Um, but the people were interested in hearing what he had to say. He was doing miracles, so they followed him. 5,000 people followed him to this like secluded, uh, strange part of um, the Middle East where there's lots of fishing, I guess. Um, and so Jesus was walking around the people. Um, and he, was, he was doing good works and miracles. Um, you know how it is, and um, it, it becomes nighttime, and um, the disciples, this is the disciples being scarce, scarcity economics people. The disciples come to Jesus, and they say, um, hey, it's nighttime, it's dinner time, we, we only have like five loaves of bread and two fishes, we can't feed all these people. Should we send them away? Um, and Jesus says, no, no, no. It's not that we only have five loaves and two fishes. It's that we have five loaves and two fishes. And so he says, bring the people to me. Um, he says, thanks for, <clears throat> the, uh, for the bread and the fish. And then he starts distributing it. And they, um, are, they manage to feed the 5,000 uh, people with food left over. Because God saw potential in that little basket with bread and fish. The disciples were operating under this idea of we only have this much. We can only feed so many people. But Jesus says, no, we have this much. And there is hope and potential and imagination um, that allows Jesus to say, we can do so much with so little. Um, so that's the kind of thing that we see when we look for examples of abundance in the Bible. But it's hard to live that out, right? Because I'm sitting here and saying, like, you all have uh, infinite potential, and the quarters in your pockets are worth so much more than what the world tells you. But then you have to pay your bills. You have to pay your loans. You have your mouths to feed. You have your children to feed. Um, you have to pay to get to work. Uh, you, so, so on top of all that, you've got all these bills to pay. And then I'm telling you that you're supposed to continue being abundant that you're supposed to keep living out uh, an economy of grace and giving, just like Jesus did, that, that you're supposed to turn bread and fish into enough to feed the multitudes? That's hard. That's hard to, it's hard to believe. Um, so I have a few questions. Um, and you know, really, I would say uh, it's hard because um, 
of what powers and principalities have told us we're worth. It's hard because we live in systems that tell us to exchange units of scarcity. Um, so, and therefore, it's hard to transcend because we're all living in that system. Um, so I have a few starter questions. I'm not here to solve uh, the, the problem of scarcity. I'm here to, to say, hey, can we ask questions about why we live in this scarcity? And is there ways to think about our daily lives in a way that is abundant? Um, so the first question is, um, <clears throat> are you doing God's work in your life? Um, and I don't mean, are you um, giving up all your earthly possessions and going out and living with the poor? Um, because uh, that isn't necessarily what doing God's work um, is. But are you turning on the gas lamp and sweeping the house? Are you looking for people who are lost in your lives? Are you reaching out for people who are lost in your lives? Are you affirming the infinite abundance in the people around you? Maybe uh, that means um, giving change to a person on the corner who's asking for it. If you're not comfortable with that, maybe it means giving to an organization that, that, that provides resources in that way to people who are in need. But ask yourself, um, is there any part of my life or is there any opportunity for me to do the work that brings God's kingdom a little bit closer? Um, another question is, do you believe that in the work you're doing that God is moving through you? So um, I think it's important to not just uh, actively do um, the work of the kingdom, but it's also important to believe that God is with you. Um, because in this world, uh, women and people of color just don't make much as much as men. And there is still legal discrimination for LGBT people in the workplace, in the world. And half of the world's children live in poverty. And those are problems that are way too big for any one person to solve. So you, you get out there and, and do what you can to bring the kingdom. But um, have hope and faith that God is working through other people as well, that what you're doing is moving us towards God's kingdom, that we're all working together, that God is inspiring communities to change, because you can't do this work on your own. Um, and then finally, are you celebrating? After um, God sweeps the house, you know, turns on the gas lamp and, and finds that coin, she throws a party, because she's found this inherently, infinitely valuable thing. So there are inherently, infinitely valuable things in your life. Um, it's you, and it's the people around you, and it's um, even some of the things that you have. Um, celebrate what you have. Be, be, uh, be joyful in, in the, the things and the people um, that comprise your life. Um, this one is, I think, one of the harder ones for me, actually, because um, I think being in a position of, of uh, economic privilege, I, I carry a lot of guilt. Like, I shouldn't have so much stuff. Uh, my parents didn't have this, so why should I? Um, and uh, some of you have met my boyfriend, Jason. Um, he's kind of the opposite. He's like very excited about um, you know, buying things for our new apartment and enjoying uh, delighting in the things that you have. Um, <clears throat> and 
Um, one of the things that you'll find me hearing or find me saying in my apartment like all the time is, do we really need that? Um, because of that kind of like guilt mentality that I have. Um, but, uh, and while I definitely don't think we needed that butterfly-shaped wine rack to put over our fireplace, um, <laughs> I am so happy that I have someone in my life who reminds me to live in abundance and not guilt. Um, who reminds me that um, I have inherent potential and who, who invites me to live in hope and imagination rather than fear and scarcity. Um, so I want to um, wrap things up um, by uh, saying thank you because when Jesus uh, broke the bread and distributed the fish, before he did that, he, he said thanks for it. Um, and I think saying thank you for the things that you have to God, to the people around you who provided it, um, is an important part of living out abundance. So I'm grateful to have um, Jason in my life to teach me how to live in abundance and imagination rather than fear, rather than plan B. Um, I'm grateful to be a part of this community. Um, this is a community that cares deeply about doing God's kingdom's work every day. Um, this community, I think, really in a lot of ways embodies this ethic of turning on the gas lamp at midnight and looking for that value, um, whether it's through our social justice initiatives or through evangelism or through just being a community that is, that is inclusive um, and bold um, in, a, in a world that isn't really ready for that. Um, I'm grateful to be a part of this community doing the work. And finally, I'm grateful that there is so much more work to do. Um, because once we find that one lost coin, there's still a lot more out there to find. Um, you know, really, the work of creation isn't done. Um, God made the world and saw that it was good, but that doesn't mean that it was over. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunities we all have as a community to go out and seek new ways to bring God's kingdom to us. I'm grateful that be fruitful and multiply was not just like a coy little innuendo, but a true thing, a command to go and be fruitful, to go and turn those coins that are in your pockets into something that can do, that can bring God's kingdom here. Um, I, I'm grateful for the opportunity to celebrate, um, that we have the things we have and the people we have in our lives, um, and, that, and that we can live out abundantly when we're together. Amen.